And one of the people who has been uh, at the foreground, uh, the coalface, if you will, of some of these rapid changes in uh, on the ground and in political attitudes in the cannabis space in New Zealand is Shane LeBrun of Medical Cannabis Awareness New Zealand. He joins us on the phone. Are you there, Shane? I certainly am, Abe. It's a pleasure to be here with you tonight. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Now, uh, MCANS, uh, since we last spoke to you on this show, uh, which was, oh, sometime last year, MCANS has really carved out um, a space for itself in the not just cannabis law reform uh, community in New Zealand, but uh, the political scene, uh, really. I mean... Uh, let's start with the major change of attitude in, um, you know, what was previously seen as kind of the lifelong enemy of cannabis users, and that is the National Party, now accept that uh, some of their constituents may in fact be cannabis users for quote-unquote legitimate reasons. Tell us a little bit about what went on there. Well, we can't claim much credit for that, but what it becomes apparent is that after nine years in government, all it took was, was nine, year, nine months in opposition with the select committee process, and it seems that that was enough to get them to change their tune. So what we have at the moment is the National Party has a medical cannabis bill, and it's more detailed and more advanced than anything we could hope for out of Labour. So therein lies the conundrum in that National, who is the natural enemy of medical cannabis, has actually done the work and done the research and written a card access scheme, uh, which is great for patients, but they've managed to do it in such a way that it alleviates some of the concerns about the loose card access schemes like in California. Mm. Yeah, so, well, and uh, I think that was, that, that was the huge uh, advance, was that, uh, as you say, National... And I predicted this for some time. In in my own mind, I didn't really believe that it could happen. But from a political strategy point of view, it was basically inevitable that at some point, National, you know, if Labor continued to drag their feet, National would end up outflanking them on the cannabis issue. And the numbers are in. Uh, the Drug Foundation polling uh, is another great uh, touch point for us to talk on. But... Uh, in my mind, you know, I guess it was the first of these Drug Foundation polls three years ago uh, when we saw that we had first reached the 50-50 tipping point. Uh, now, uh, in the third series of these polls, just uh, a month or two ago, we've seen we're at the two-thirds majority, so we're well on the downhill slope. And that's not just for medical. Medical, I mean, your guys' numbers are up at like 87 for pain and 94 for terminal illness. Um, when you got those kind of numbers, that's what politicians listen to, and they certainly seem to have um, changed their tune, uh, Winston Peters included. Yeah, we're not so sure about New Zealand first, and therein lies the issue with what's actually happened is is when the, the new government got voted in, we had New Zealand First, who's, uh, you know, effectively stuck in a time warp on such issues. And then we have Greens over in the post-Portugal model of let's do everything that's evidence-based, harm reduction, yada, yada. And then we have David Clark has basically kept the drug portfolio to himself, himself instead of delegating it down to the likes of Julianne Genta, yeah. which, would have been, which would have been a bit too much for Winston's team to take on the chin. And he's been playing referee, so he's written a really weak bill under the, the guise that this is what New Zealand First would let him approve. 
Um, and now we're at the point that, yeah, Nationals outflanked them. And uh, the real meat of the issue is actually happening this week. There'll be a lot of debate internally when the parties about supplementary order papers to upgrade the gov- government bill. So a lot of our hope actually rests on Chloe Swarbrick and whether she can um, influence things to improve the bill significantly because there's a lot of there's a lot of weak spots in the bill where even in the select committee process, Labor appeared to try and do things and then David Clark just told them, no, it's my way or the highway. And then also, it, it wasn't very democratic in that 80-90% of the submissions saying that this terminal exemption didn't go far enough. And everyone saying it should be for, for really sick people instead, we're just told that was out of scope. Right. Uh, so it's quite disappointing that all of these sick people, they travelled from all over the country to Wellington to say their piece, and they were soundly ignored by the Labour Party. Yeah, now let's let's go into a little bit more depth there. So for the listeners that, you know, weren't following the play-by-play like us and don't know the nitty-gritty, I mean, uh, let's go back to the select committee pro- process, of course. Um, well, uh, you know, we can go as far back as the election where cannabis became an election issue. There was positive campaign rhetoric from both Labour and the Greens. Uh, it reached a fever pitch to the point where the Greens managed to um, extract the concession of the referendum uh, on or before 2020. And uh, the Labour Party went as far as to say, uh, you know, that medical cannabis would be one of their first 100-day priorities. Now, what, en- what ended up happening with medical cannabis was, yeah, this sort of um, watered-down bill that everybody thought didn't go far enough. Uh, and of course, Chloe, Chloe Swarbrick had had a, a better bill, uh, but as you say, David Clark chose not to delegate that associate ministership portfolio as it had traditionally been to the associate minister who is a Green, uh, but instead keep it for himself, signaling that Labor would be, uh, you know, driving their own version of the medical cannabis bill. And we did see Chloe Swarbrick's um, bill that you know, is very similar to the new national bill, although, of course, allowed loose-leaf cannabis and home-growing uh, get voted down, only for Labor to come in and say, oh, no, w- you know, we have a government bill that everyone can agree to, uh, and it was basically uh, a bill that nobody wanted. Uh, very similar to the bill that they put forward uh, when Helen Kelly was still alive, uh, and she thought didn't go far enough as well. Uh, so you've gotten to the point where, as you say, in the select committee process, we saw all that great testimony. And, um, you know, there, th- that's uh, sort of a, a great body of sort of public record in and of itself is all those great speeches and presentations that came before the select committee there. Uh, but, you know, yeah, basically the Labor Party sort of selectively had already determined what they did and didn't want to do. And all this while, National was um, sort of having their road to Damascus moment and realizing not only that it's totally wrong to block, you know, patients' access, but also uh, this could be a uh, political Achilles heel for the Labor Party, and they're not, like, nothing better than finding something like that. So Shane Reedy did his sort of overseas uh, research and... Now they've come out with, uh, as I said, a bill that essentially has California-style medical ID cards. Uh, If your GP thinks that you can benefit from cannabis, you get the card, and then you go to the pharmacist and you sort of negotiate with the pharmacist as to what product is best for you and why. Uh, It it sounds like a 
a really workable scheme, um, a, a scheme that would, uh, you know, bring affordable access for patients. Uh, there is no loose leaf. There is no home growing. And, you know, you can argue about those. And I guess that's the kind of the difference between what they've done in Chloe Swarbrick's bill. But they did they did use it um, sort of cynically, politically to embarrass labor over the issue. And, you know, I'm not going to complain about that because I think labor deserves that. <laughs> But well, um, that's, that's where things get a bit interesting because um, the, Shane Rezzi, he's, he's it's a bit funny that he's the one um, heading the show. I feel that he's actually quite genuine. You know, I saw him in select committee and one of the trustees of my charity was doing a submission about his dead daughter and his dying daughter and, you know, we brought him to tears. I feel he's genuine, but there certainly other, are other elements in National who don't really give a toss about anything other than giving it, sticking it to Labour. Mm. But the, there's, there's other things in his bill. That it's all about trade-offs because his bill is a much about getting the rest of his party to stand for something rather than just saying it's not good enough and not really offering a solution. So as the opposition, their job is to hold the government to account on such things. So they dropped any compassionate defence clause because that was just too far for the likes of Crusher Collins. But in his mind, or in their mind, if we have some certainty in how the regulations are going to look, businesses can be up and running in 12 to 18 months. Seriously. And that's the experience from the American side of things. So well, and they're all years, waiting in the wings. I mean, uh, not to mention the background context of all of this, we've had the um, the license application arms race, there's at least uh, 30 different outfits competing, uh, you know, considering or having already filed uh, New Zealand medical cannabis uh, sort of production license application. Of course, the government is sort of dragging their feet, making it up as they go, and kind of, as they went through the select committee process, realized, oh, we don't actually know what kind of rules we're going to make up. Everybody's license application is on hold. Well, that's not good for business. And as you say, if it was a little bit more clear, uh, then, you know, well, anyone who, you know, it would be a uh, it would be a level playing field. And people who wanted to risk their capital to uh, provide that access to patients could do so under a reasonable sort of expectation. Yeah, so there's a, it's a bit hairy at the moment. I've actually had multiple people contact me just this week even about growing and all of that sort of stuff with some pretty hairy ideas, but um, <laughs> it's, a, it's a bit of a, a gold rush. This is Australia. the life Deloitte you chose, Shane. This eight, is the life you chose. Eight. And in Australia, Deloitte predicted there'd be 18 companies apply, and then there was over 100, and we're seeing very much the same thing happen here. Um, so our main effort now is recognising that anything to do with growing your own or, or that really significant patient freedom, that libertarian stuff, that's all going to have to be attached to the referendum. Yes. But in the meantime, whatever compromises we can get out of the governing parties. So it's really on the Greens to see what they can squeeze out of New Zealand first and national and well, so uh, basically Labour to its own device. The, the legislative process is so slow that if Chloe Swarbrick doesn't pull a Hail Mary now... We're going to be haggling over it up until the referendum, and then it's basically going to be a moot point. Uh, but what what you're saying is there's an opportunity with these supplementary order papers. Explain that a little more. What's happening this week? How there's there's hope in some of the quarters that Chloe Swarbrick could convince National and New Zealand First and Labor to all hold hands and sing Kumbaya, maybe smoke a little reefer together. 
Uh, <laughs> what's going to happen there? Eat an edible or a, a lozenge? I don't know. Whatever delivery method they prefer. <laughs> well, well yeah, that certainly helped with the anxiety of some of the conservatives like old Crusher Collins. Yeah. But, um, but basically, this week, Parliament's back from a two-week recess. Tuesday morning, all the caucuses will be meeting. And because this is um, on the priority list of papers for this month, I think it was when I saw it, it was number 19, but that was a couple of weeks ago. It basically means mid to late this month it should go to a second reading unless they try and stall on it. So the, the, the parties have probably had suggestions from industry and the likes of myself, and they'll all be looking over what they feel comfortable stomaching as changes and amendments. And a lot of the things that we actually want could be done by the regulations by the ministry, but that pushes those changes back a year and it doesn't give businesses any certainty or patience. There's a lot of little changes that they could do that would make a huge impact for, for the cost of these businesses running and getting set up and for the, the price they can deliver to patients. Just for one example, in Australia, all of the cannabis genetics have to be lawfully supplied. So they all have to set up royalty payments to companies in Canada or the Netherlands to, to get genetics over. So they're stuck paying 10% royalties forever, effectively. Yeah, and they can't even use those great Aussie bush genetics that they've developed themselves that actually have the secret healing properties. All naturalized for their growing conditions. Mm. And, and we, we risk having the same thing here. With, you know, the guys over on the east coast at Hikurangi, they've got plenty of local genetics that would be really good to grow. But if the government or the ministry interprets things in that really strict way like Australia, they're going to be stuck paying 10% royalties to some Canadians forever and a day. And that's just not, not kosher. <laughs> that's not uh, the story that uh, yeah, Hikurangi wants to tell, no. Uh, yes, <laughs> no, the so, indigenous so development. A little changes. Um, uh, one thing that's really disappointing is there's no funding solution for patients. So as a charity, we did a policy booklet earlier this year that you can find over at www.mc2018.co.nz. Mm, or pick up your free copy at the Fakamana Cannabis Museum. Yep, and uh, well, we propose that if we have a dozen of these profitable businesses, um, because that money isn't in anyone's budgets yet, we should ring fence those tax revenues from those companies and just have a special application scheme for patients to get funded. Yeah. And that way, when we start off, the priority will be the epileptic kids, and then uh, when we get more money, the priority will then go to the progressive MS patients, and then motor neuron disease and Tourette's, and although chronic pain is is the largest adult use it'll probably be the lowest priority wise if you're trying to you know change and save and improve people's lives yeah so explain to explain to the listeners what you're saying is even if we get this over the line in the best possible scenario uh there's no subsidy for any of these products for the patients and they're still kind of um you know uh it's still whoever can afford whatever treatments even though the cost will hopefully come down um, yeah. yeah, so I've, I've met with the Pharmax CEO on this very issue um, to, to sort of suggest, you know, talk about my funding solution. You know, a, you know politicians wouldn't meet, so I'd talk to the bosses. Mm. But uh, effectively, if a company does the clinical research to justify registering a medicine and applying for funding, the, the cost is sort of 50 to 100 million US dollars to, to get to those phase three clinical trials that are needed. Yeah. So that's why Sativex costs so much. Mm. So if you do the research, it's not cost effective for, for Pharmax to fund it. It's mm. a waste of money. But if they don't do the research, so you have a cheap product, there's no research for Pharmac to fund it either. So they can't justify funding it if there's no research Catch that, they, 22, that it yeah. works. Yeah. So we're kind of stuck with either cheap products that are, or you know moderately affordable products that will never get re registered and funded, or registered products with all the research that are too expensive to get funded. So we're damned if we do, damned if we don't. So we really need an outside-the-box solution for these severe patients because the epileptic kids, um, they, they're looking at $50,000 
to, to trial a CBD product. And some of them are getting funded through various means. We've actually helped a family get funding through Oranga Tamariki for a kid that's a ward of the state. But parents shouldn't have to walk away from their kids and give them up to Oranga Tamariki for them to get funding for CBD. That is that is shocking. Oh, my goodness. Now, I mean, but, but you have been making strides. I mean, uh, you know, when we last talked to you on this show probably a year ago... Um, Tell us a little bit about what's happened with MCAN since then. Um, you had an amazing presentation at the, um, it, it was some sort of uh, medical conference recently, and um, you've got the number of patients in your database and the number of products that you've gotten approved and different stuff that, you know, uh, there's sort of a, a precedent for now for patients to use in New Zealand has increased. T- talk to us a little bit about the strides M- MCANS has made. Yeah, so we've been advocating for more affordable products out of Canada, and we, we initially got Tilray introduced, and then we've actually got um, active approvals for uh, other products from a Canadian company, Canamet, um, and they, they were, they were going to be cheaper than Tilray, but we got approvals for a high THC knock your socks off oil as well, as well as for a high CBD product that's probably better for the epileptic kids. That product hasn't arrived yet, but, you know, we've basically, we've gone four from four, we've had four different products approved. So if things go well, by the end of the year, we will have doubled the product range of cannabis products available in New Zealand because we're actively working on another CBD product that will uh, undercut Tilray on cost for patients. And then we're working on these other oils from another company as well now. Um, We were just at the South Island GPs conference uh, where uh, five or six hundred doctors show up and a hundred nurses. And, yeah, we were the busiest stall there. But we did a survey and it was quite amazing to find out what wasn't known by the doctors. So, for example, the the balanced cannabis products, the the high is probably about a 1 out of 10 if you rated it in clinical trials. Right. Um, And the average doctor thinks it's about 5.5 out of 10. Right. So so they think their patients are getting high off the CBD only. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But we also pushed the vaporizers very hard, and there was significant interest in it because every doctor's got patients who are blazing up. So we talked about vaporizers and the virtues and the pros and cons. And uh, we're going to be looking at generating some material for doctors to give to their patients around harm reduction side of things. Well, and you guys have some great infographics, and the the graphics of your stall was amazing. I mean, and as far as educational resources go, you guys are so legit. And, I mean, uh, you're basically doing our job for us at the museum. We just use your infographics, and it explains everything really well. Um, and I, I highly encourage... Uh, people to donate to MCANs because, um, as you say, you guys have been really basically uh, winning the hearts and minds when it comes to cannabis. And, um, you know, it's a downhill slope, but we, we still got to do the work. Uh, and, and you're doing great work, Shane. Thanks very much. Yeah, we, um, we have some uh, merchandise on our website. So we've got these um, medical cannabis awareness hoodies that are, are flying off the shelves. I see them everywhere, actually. And um, we've also, we had a scheme if people put in $2 a week, uh, we'd set them up with a uh, organic hemp uh, branded t-shirt. Oh, nice. Um, so we've got about 30 or 40 people are putting in $1 or $2 a week, and, and that money goes a long way to, to helping us run. You can imagine if we had a 1,000 people put in a dollar a week, we'd be home and host, and we'd be going to every medical conference we could. Yeah. Well, uh 
that's what needs to happen. So what is the what is the penultimate website if people want to get in touch with you, if they want to donate, if they want to volunteer? Um, what What's the workflow for you with that? So mcanz.org.nz. Okay. Well, hey, Shane, we really thank you for joining us. Uh, we thank you for taking all the time. Um, just out of interest, before you go, what type of vaporizers did you have any... Like uh, you know, medical grade vaporizers on display for the doctors because um, we we have a medical grade vaporizer that we're about to uh, demonstrate on air after we finish with you. Uh, what okay. what brands so did we, you have? We had the Volcano Medic and the Mighty Medic. Nice. Um, so Stores Bicker were actually good, um, generous enough to donate these to the charity. Um, not for human consumption, only for demonstration purposes only. Of course. Which means that we had to clean them out with ISO a bit to make them nice and sh- shiny, because who's not going to use a volcano? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, we, we had those there, and we actually talked to the doctors about the fact that um, these are medical-grade devices, um, but under our Misuse of Drugs Act, they're cannabis utensils first and foremost. And most of the doctors were just shaking their heads at how outdated this, this bit of legislation is. Oh, mate, it sure is. But we're getting there, and thanks to uh, all your efforts, Shane, and thanks for taking the time to give us this big update. Uh, I'm sure our listeners will have been loving this. Uh, well, we have one of them in the studio with us here, uh, who we're going to talk to later, Grosif Green from the Harvest Festival, and uh, okay. he w- he was loving every minute of that chat. So we'll get that up on the podcast, and we'll send you the link, and we'll spread it far and wide, because... Uh, it is it is a great update of where things are at, and 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 I'd say things are looking up. I mean, if you're a cannabis law reform supporter, uh, there's a lot of reason to be positive these days. All right, thanks, Abe. Catch you later. Bye. Cheers. That was Shane LeBrun from Medical Cannabis Awareness New Zealand. You're on Radio One Ninety One FM Overgrown.